So for those that might not know, Leonard's not here this morning. Uh, he is on vacation. We let him do that occasionally. And uh, you're stuck with me this morning. A um, couple things before we get started. First, I want to thank everybody for being here this morning and, and uh, welcome any visitors that we might have with us this morning. You are our honored guests. We're happy to have you. Um, this might be a shorter sermon than normal because I threw my back out yesterday. So um, I'm in a little bit of pain. It comes and goes. Right now it's actually feeling pretty good. So, um, But it seems like as I stand, it tightens up. So if you see me sit down, um, that's why. The idea for the sermon has been floating around in my head for a little, bit of, for a little while now because it's so easy to get beaten down by the world as a Christian. As a follower of God, oftentimes we see that discouragement is easy to creep in. If you remember, the prophet Elijah at one point thought he was all alone and God had to remind him that there were still thousands that had not bowed their knee to Baal. But the lesson for us, I think, is that sometimes we feel like we're all alone. Or maybe it's just us and our family that are, that, that are um, uh, trying to be that light in the darkness. Sometimes it's, dif it's difficult to uh, look out into the world and see some of the beliefs and some of the philosophies and see them so far askew from the truth and wonder how people have gotten there and how we can try to bring them back. I recently had a uh, situation where I had, um, had seen somebody who had written for a show and I thought... Um, I actually had an idea for another season for this show that I liked. And I thought maybe that I would contact this person and give them this idea to see if, if they thought it was a good idea. And then I started seeing some of their writings and some of their beliefs and I realized I didn't want anything to do with that person. And it's so easy when you see things like that from people that you might admire, or that you might uh, uh, like some of their work, it's so easy to get discouraged and to get beaten down. This passage of Scripture that Josh read for us I think is a, is a very uh, encouraging passage of Scripture because it teaches us some things. It teaches us some things that it's, that it's okay to feel certain ways as long as we don't let it get to a certain extent. We see that we're to be troubled, perplexed, persecuted, and cast down. This is what the world does to us as Christians. It can cause us to look and, and wonder how did these beliefs get so far away from the truth. But this passage of Scripture is teaching us that we're to be troubled but not distressed. It's easy to look into the world and, and be troubled by the things that we see and the things that we hear and the things that we're bombarded with on a day-to-day -day basis. And you don't have to go very far. All you have to do is travel down an expressway and look at the billboards on the side of the road and you can be troubled. But we shouldn't let it distress us to the point where it keeps us from doing God's Word. Another example that always comes to mind when I think about stuff like this is Jonah. And Jonah wasn't a very good example in most of the things that he did, if you read the story of Jonah. It's one of my favorite readings in the Bible because it's only four short chapters. 
but it's packed full, like most things in the Bible, with wonderful lessons for us. Jonah was troubled by what he saw in Nineveh. And because things didn't go his way, he got distressed to the point where he sat down and wasn't going to do anything. That's a lesson for us that we should not let our trouble in this life distress us to the point where we sit down and give up. We're to be perplexed but not in despair. We're to look at the world and wonder, like I said, how the world got so far away from the truth. How there can be so many beliefs and so many philosophies that have gone askew of the, of, of the Word of God. But we shouldn't, let it de, we shouldn't let it despair us. We shouldn't let it get us down to the point where we think there's no hope. We talked a little bit about this in our Bible class this morning. Where it's easy as you share the Gospel to a lost and dying world and you get rejected and you get rejected and you get rejected to get in a state of despair. But like we pointed out in Bible class, who are they really rejecting? It's not me. It's God that they're rejecting. We are going to face persecution. And in our society, we don't face the same persecution that some in the world face or that we see in the Bible some in the first century face. But we will face persecution. But it's important to remember that we're not forsaken. God has not forsaken us through that persecution. Sometimes it feels like we're all alone going through that persecution. We get that why me mentality. Why is this happening to me? We need to remember that if God is on our side, it doesn't matter who is against us. And then we get cast down, but we shouldn't let it destroy us. One of the things that I hope that you take away from this lesson, if nothing else, is that all of these things that we face in this world can do a lot of things to us. But the one thing that it cannot do is take away our soul salvation. There's only one person that is in control of my salvation, and that is me. I'm the only one that once I've come to a knowledge of Christ, once I've obeyed His Gospel, that... Once I've done that, the only one that can take that away from me is myself. So why are we not to be, you know, why are we to be troubled and perplexed and persecuted and cast down, but not to be distressed, despair, in despair, forsake, feeling forsaken, and let it destroy us? Well, verse 10, I think, teaches us why. It answers that why for us always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Notice there some key words. Bearing. So we're going to have trouble. We're going to face persecution. We're going to be cast down at times. But we need to learn how to bear it. We need to learn how to cope with it. We need to learn that... that while we face those sorts of things in this life, they're there to strengthen us and to make us more uh, desirous of the life that is to come. But also notice the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. We should never forget what He has done for us. 
If you've heard me preach or, or, or preside at the table before, you've heard me make this point before. That it's awful difficult when we're going through these things to look at what Jesus did for us, compare that to what we're going through, it's awfully difficult to not have that motivate us to go on, to continue forward, to continue to be obedient to the things that He wants us to be obedient to. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But bearing because of what He's done for us, going through these things willingly and not giving up because of what He's done for us. Why? Well, the rest of the Scripture gives us that. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. When, we, when people see us troubled and cast down and persecuted, but we don't let it destroy us, we don't let it cause us to give up, they see something different in us. They see the life of Christ and the life that we are living. So the, the, the point to this introduction to this lesson this morning is to never, ever give up. No matter what we face in this life, never, ever give up. Always hold fast to that which is true. Always look forward to what awaits us after this life is over so that the life of Christ can be seen in the life that we live. There's a lot of things that, that, that we look at the life of Christ as an example to us. One of the things that we should look at is that He never gave up. Even in the face of His own crucifixion, for nothing He did wrong Himself, He never gave up. And He went to that cross willingly. So you might be asking this morning, well, you know, these are easy words to say. You know, you're standing up here in front of in front of the, the congregation this morning, you've put this presentation together, you got, you know, all these stories and, and experiences that you can share with us, but how are we troubled, perplexed, persecuted, and cast down, but not become distressed, in despair, forsaken, and destroyed? How do we do that? Well, we turn to the passages the pages of God's Word for how. And we have verses like John chapter 14, verse 1-3, through 3, which says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We understand that once Jesus was crucified, He raised on the third day. And then He arose sometime after that to sit at the right hand of God. Do you think that our Lord, when He sat down at the right hand of God, looked back and said that everything He went through here was worth that? I think absolutely that's what He thought. Everything he faced, every persecution he underwent, even the crucifixion he looked back on when he was sitting on the right hand of his father and said, "That was worth, sitting here next to my father is worth everything that I faced as a human. So the first thing that we need to do in order to be troubled and persecuted and, and downcast and not be destroyed is to remember what is most important. 
Keep that at the forefront of our mind. Matthew 10, 28 says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Like I said, the answer for how to do those things and not how to go through this life and not be destroyed is found in the pages of God's Word. It's found in passages of Scripture like Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. We also see in Mark 8.36, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So what is most important? So many people in our, in our world think that the most important thing is money and possessions. Is that really what's most important? You know, some of us sitting in this audience this morning might say, no, those things aren't important. But then we go home and we worry about money and what we want to buy. And all these things that we deal with in this life. Are those what's most important? Is your security found in a large balance in your bank account? or in your retirement savings, or in, in, in other monetary and in, in things of possession. You know, I think about uh, Gordon and Jean. If you knew Gordon and Jean Turner from, from years ago that remembers here, their house burnt down. Lightning struck the roof of their house and their house burnt down. Is that troubling? Is that... Can that cast you down? Absolutely. But they didn't let that destroy them because they realized that money and stuff is not important. Well, what about our life on this earth? Right? I'm sure that if I took a poll this morning and I said, how many of us want to die today? Right? Nobody would raise their hand. But is that what's most important? Is our life on this earth what is most important? Do we get paralyzed by fear, by despair, when we look at maybe facing the end of our life, when we look at our own mortality in this world? Because we saw a passage of Scripture a minute ago which said, fear not them that can kill the body. So, life on this earth, not important. Now, I don't want anybody to go away today thinking, oh, it's not important so I can live any way I want. That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about physical death. Avoiding physical death is not what's most important in this life. What about our soul's salvation? Is that most important in this? Is that what's most important I'd say it's not just important, but it's of the utmost importance. It's the most important thing. Nothing else matters. We can we could gain the whole world. We can have every rich, uh, rich you know, all the riches and all the uh, physical possessions that that somebody could own in this life. We can have a long life, live to be over a hundred years old. But if at the end of that life we're lost, then none of that mattered. It didn't matter how much we had. 
It didn't matter how long our life was if at the end of it we lose our soul. So we need to remember what's most important and then we have to let that inform the decisions that we make in this life. So the second point this morning on how to be cast down and persecuted without being destroyed by it is to make decisions based on what is most important. So what does that mean? If you look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This is one of my favorite passages of the Scripture because this is teaching me that if I keep my priorities in the right place, that I won't have to worry about the, th the things that sustain my life here on this earth. And if I keep my priorities in the right place, then I'll realize that my impending death and we all face death in this life is something to actually look forward to not to try to avoid at all costs. We see here, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. This is a decision that we can make each and every day of our life that is based on what is most important. We can do that by doing His will. One of the things that I probably struggled with the most, my mom and dad are here this morning and they, they could probably tell you this, I was a very willful young man. Some of you knew me. I know Deb knew me growing up at Garden City. I was a very willful young man. One of the hardest lessons I had to learn in my walk as a Christian was to put aside what I wanted, put aside what I thought was important, and submit to God's will for my life. That means that when you leave this building this morning, and I want to commend you all on making the right decision by deciding to be here this morning, so you're to be commended for that, but when you leave this building this morning, your responsibility to yourself in doing God's will, submitting your, putting down your own will and submitting your life to God's will doesn't go away. We don't come here and submit to God's will on Sunday morning and Sunday evening and Wednesday evening and then leave and do whatever we want. That's not submitting to God's will. And so we need to make a commitment to ourselves and to our Father in heaven that we will submit our life to His will. We also... Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness by obeying His commandments. Well, you're splitting hairs, Brother Steve. Isn't that the same thing? Well, I think the first one leads to the second one. Once you put aside your own stubborn will, then you'll look to the pages of His Word and decide that you want to obey Him. That you want to be obedient to His Word. That you want to do the things that He would have you to do. And remember, we're talking about priorities here too. So there's sins of commission. And I think most of us as Christians are pretty good at not doing things we know that are wrong. But obeying His commands are more than just not doing what we're not supposed to do. It's doing the things that we're supposed to do. 
Obeying His commands for what we should be doing is just as important as obeying His commands for not doing things that we shouldn't. And by weighing each of our decisions every single day against His will and His commandments. See, it's easy to stand here and say, I'm going to submit my life to His will. I'm going to be obedient to His commandments. And then to get in the world Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and put that into practice. When things are thrown our way, when we're bombarded with uh, trials and tribulations, when we get troubled and cast down and persecuted, remembering that every decision we make, every action we take, every word that comes out of our mouth needs to be obedient to His commandments. So we need to make decisions based on what is most important. And I submit to you this morning that seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness is important. We also see in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, and, I do not, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So another way that we make decisions based on what is most important is we realize that we're not to be conformed to this world. This goes back to what I was saying a minute ago where we leave the, the doors of this building and the world is trying to get us to fit their mold. Notice. We need to remember this world is not our home. We're just passing through. The decisions that we make in this life are important. But we shouldn't be looking at this is our final destination. This is not our final stop. And when we start forgetting that is when we start forgetting what is most important. We need to remember that according to James 4.4 that we can't be a friend to this world. You know what James 4 says? about being a friend of the world and that puts us at enmity with God. It makes us an enemy of God if we're a friend of this world. So we can't be a friend of this world if we, if we want to make decisions that are based on what's most important. And we also need to remember to renew our minds on a daily basis through studying and reading of God's Word. The Church of Christ used to be known as a Bible-toting, Bible-quoting people. And I think when you look back at that time in the mid-1900s when they were known as that, you see a lot less problems in the church. Now, I'm not trying to say there weren't problems in the church <laughs> because you can take any period of time, the first century till now, and you can see problems in the church. But we don't, we don't see the volume of false teaching creeping into the church. We don't see um, people getting away from the Word, away from the roles of gender in the church in the mid-1900s like we do today. And that's because at, there was a time when as Christians we were renewing our minds every single day by studying God's Word. 
to know what, to remind ourselves what it says. You, you might think, well, Brother Steve, I know what the Bible says. I'm not going to forget that. Guess what? People do. People do, and then they start transforming their or uh, conforming their life to what society says is important rather than what God's Word says is important. And we see the problems start creeping into the church and congregations round about because of that. So we need to make decisions that are based on what is most important by not being a friend of this world. But we also see in Matthew chapter 6, beginning of verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So we see from this passage of Scripture that in order to make the decisions in our life that are based on what's most important, we're going to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. How do we do that? Well, we do that through good works. We do that through evangelizing. We do that through doing what God wants us to do on a day-to-day -day basis, going back to the previous point. That's how we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Those of us that have family, and I'm not in any way suggesting that our existence in heaven will be any less spectacular if our loved ones don't make it there. Because we could be the only one in our family to make it to heaven and it's still going to be a perfect existence. But for those of us with children and with brothers and sisters and with mom and dads and grandparents, wouldn't it be a treasure to spend eternity with our loved ones in heaven? So how do we lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven? Will we work to get as many people around us to be going there as well? And it's important to remember that laying up those treasures in heaven is so important because the treasures we have here are temporal. That passage of Scripture we just read in, in Matthew chapter 6 said what? That moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. The treasures we have here on this earth are going to go away. They're not for eternity. We might have them till the end of our life. Then what happens to those things? The Bible teaches us that lesson. Things that we thought were so important to us become burdens for those that we leave those things to, don't they? I remember Lori's uncle passed away several years ago. And I went over to her uncle's house to help her cousin clean out his house. And things that were so important to her uncle were getting thrown into a dumpster sitting in the driveway. None of this stuff that we have matters. The treasures that we have here do not matter. Treasure in heaven is, per is permanent. Moth and rust doesn't corrupt those things. Thieves can't steal those things. As I said earlier, nobody can take our salvation away from us. Only we can take our salvation away. And we also need to remember that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's impossible. It's impossible to make decisions based on what is most important 
if we're laying up for ourselves treasures here instead of in heaven. So we need to make decisions based on what is most important after we remember and realize what is most important. And then we need to show what is most important through action. Well, what do I mean by that? Not just word. It's so easy to say, God is most important in my life. I hear people say that all the time. God is most important in my life. And then their actions show something completely different. So it can't be just in word. We need to... We need to uh, remember the words of Colossians 3.17 which says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Notice, not just in word, but in deed. Brothers and sisters, this is so important because there are so many people that are tripped up today because we say and we do not. That's called hypocrisy. And hypocrisy of Christians is one of the biggest deterrents to being able to save souls in the world. Because they look at our life and it doesn't match what we're telling them. And they don't want anything to do with that. I like what Leonard says. It, it, it is funny that some will use an excuse of not coming to church because there's hypocrites in the church. But they go to the grocery store they go to the bank. They go to other places. And there's hypocrites everywhere. But we shouldn't let somebody else's hypocrisy cause us to be lost. But why is action so important? Well, just a few bullet points on this. Uh, we read in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So we can say, Lord, Lord, and we see many in the world that do that today, don't they? They claim that Jesus is their Lord. But are they doing the will of their Father, which is in heaven? Action is most important because it isn't what you say, it's what you do. This is right from the mouth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord... Don't we have teachings in the denominational world today that all you've got to do is call upon His name? Not according to this passage of Scripture. There's more to it than saying, Lord, Lord. We have to do the will of our Father which is in heaven. So how do we be troubled, perplexed, cast down, persecuted, but not let it uh, distress us, put us in despair, cause us to feel forsaken and destroy us. Well, I think I've given you three points this morning. First, you need to remember what's most important. You need to make sure that what's most important is making you uh, take the de make the decisions that you're making. And then you need to show what is most important through action. People will see what's most important to you in your life by the way that you conduct it on a day-to-day -day basis. And I encourage you to remember that as you go out and interact with people on a day-to-day -day basis. Those of us with kids understand this, don't we? Boy, there's nothing like children to point out the hypocrisy in your life, is there? Because they see it. 
But even if you don't have kids, you need to keep that at the forefront of your mind, that your action needs to be matching the words that come out of your mouth. So to sum it all up, when you're beaten down by the world, when you're troubled, perplexed, persecuted, and cast down, the way you avoid being distressed, in despair, feeling forsaken and destroyed is by putting your faith and trust in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and putting it in Him only. Not riches, not on the affairs of this world, nothing else, but putting our faith and trust in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what He's done for us. A couple of departing passages of Scripture and then the lesson will be yours. Romans 15.13 Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. You want joy? You want peace? Put your faith and trust in your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Proverbs 3.5 Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. We didn't talk about much about our own understanding. I guess we got into it a little bit when we talked about submitting to His will rather than our own. But brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what this book says. And so if you think something different than what this book says, I encourage you this morning to continue to study this and put it in your heart so that it can convict you and so that you can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in Him only. And if you're subject this morning to the invitation, all things are ready. We have the baptistry full of water. If you need to be baptized, we can baptize you into Christ this morning if you've already done that, but you've allowed this world to beat you down, to get you to the point where you feel destroyed, where you feel there's no more hope. I encourage you to turn back to, to, to uh, the Lord. I didn't make this point. I meant to in the sermon when we were talking about hypocrites. Don't let somebody else cause you to be lost. We shouldn't be looking to our right and to our left. We should be looking to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because He's the only one that can save us. And guess what? He has never done anything wrong to you. He has only lived a life of perfection and gave that life on the cross for the salvation of your sins and mine. So if you're subject to this invitation in any way, I encourage you to come forward now as together we stand and as we sing.